listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Showjob. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shojai, and today I'm talking to, well, you probably know her human mom as a human mom to Dewey, the library cat. Now, that brings me to my rant of the week. Kittens and puppies are the innocence of the world. Now, I know that times can make it difficult for some folks, and they're forced to make awful decisions to give up a beloved adult pet, but perhaps they end up with a whoops litter because they didn't get the pet spayed or neutered on time, and then they struggle to find a way to deal with all those extra furry babies. But how can anyone dump a helpless animal? In the dead of winter, no less, and expect it to survive. It's Listen, it's bad enough that this happens repeatedly throughout the country to adult dogs and cats because there aren't enough responsible owners to take on the burden. But when it happens to a helpless kitten, puppy, or even a human child, now that's appalling. Today's economy doesn't help, and this isn't the first time times have been tough. That's no excuse for dismissing any critter or human or town as expendable. In fact, when we humans face the toughest challenges, that's the time when wonderful things can happen. The smallest of ordinary events can turn golden. For instance, the muted cries of a dumped sick kitten just might touch one human, one town, or even the whole world. That's why I'm delighted that my guest today is Vicki Myron, the best-selling author with Brett Witter of Dewey, the small-town library cat who touched the world. I'm sure she'll have a lot to say about what a positive difference one furry baby can make when we return after this word from our sponsors. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No. To my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Pet Life Radio proudly presents DSPN, the Dog Sports and Performance Network. Get ready to unleash the dog sports enthusiast in all of us. From speed drawing and mushing to racing, agility, and competition, this is the place to learn all about the dog sports and activities that you can do with your furry best friend and canine competitor. So get ready for game time. DSPN with your host, Lori Williams. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm talking with Vicki Myron, the librarian who found Dewey the cat and helped change her town for the better. Welcome to the show, Vicki. I'm delighted to have you. Well, it's a pleasure to join you. What I like to do, Vicki, on my show before we really get started is, is find out a little bit about my guest. Now, I know everybody has, has probably read about you and Dewey, but currently, what other cats and possibly dogs do you share your life with? Well, I happen to have a brand new kitten um, who came into my life pretty much like Dewey did. Ah. Um, I didn't plan on getting another cat at this time because I'm on book tour so often and doing a lot of signings around the country, so it's not a convenient time, but you know how it <laughs> is when you fall in love with a baby. There was a small kitten that was out in the middle of the road on December 18th, um, and a friend of mine picked it up. It was full of clumps of ice and sticks and twigs, and so she took him home and, and gave him a bath and her husband said no more cats because they have five already. And so she took him down to the library hoping that the library would adopt him. And the library decided against it. So I happened to be down at the library that day filming Japanese television. And I walked in and the staff said, we have a surprise for you in the office. And I walked in and there was this gorgeous little, little boy kitten who looks a lot like Dewey except that he has green eyes and kind of a stumpy tail, but a gorgeous face. And so his name is Paige Turner. Perfect. <laughs> Sometimes it's just meant to be. It, it was. Uh, like I said, I didn't plan on getting another cat, but it was love at first sight. And he's wonderful. So uh, my fiancé, Glenn Albertson, and I are enjoying him immensely. I wanted to ask you, too, um, Vicki, what is your background in cats and dogs? Did you grow up with very many pets? I did. Um, I was raised on a farm, so we always had cats and dogs. We didn't really have inside cats on the farm. They were mostly barn cats, but when we moved to Hartley into a town um, in 1960, we got um, a big Siamese cat named Dusty, and from then on, um, either I had cats at my parents' house or when I moved to Mankato, I always had a cat and a dog. So many animals over the years, but none that touched my heart the way Dewey did. Oh, I know that people that have uh, read your book or, or that have at least heard about your book know that this was really a, a special kitty cat. And 
could you give our readers a little bit of a hint, maybe a preview if they've not read the book yet? What struck you first about Dewey? Let's back up a minute. How did you and Dewey first meet? What was that first meeting like? Well, Dewey was thrown into the book drop of the library on a Monday morning. It was about 10 to 15 below, and um, we heard a sound coming from the book drop, my assistant and I, and uh, we knew it was something alive, but it didn't sound like a kitten at all. I reached in very carefully and hoped for something friendly like a chipmunk (laughs) and found this tiny little kitten um, buried under piles and piles of books. He was starving and freezing, and um, he was hoarse from crying all night long. So I pulled him out, and he started purring immediately. And uh, when I looked into his eyes, Dewey had the most incredible eyes of any cat I've ever seen. They were gold, but they looked down through your soul. I mean, that's the kind Mm. of eyes that he had. And uh, I gave him a bath to warm him up, and he purred through the whole bath. (laughs) And even though his foot pads were frozen, he hobbled around as the staff came in and rubbed against everybody's leg and licked their hand and wanted to be held. And and I knew he had the right personality to be a library cat. So that's when I decided to keep him there. About how old was he, do you think? He was about eight weeks old when we found him. My goodness, it's lucky uh, that the books didn't just crush him. Yes, I think he moved around during the night to stay away from them. And and when I found him, not only was the book drop about two foot high with books, but there was a book over the top of him that was kind of like a tent. And he was huddled under that, I think, to keep warm. Oh, Um, my. Well, how did you come to name him? From what I understand, that was a contest that you held? Yes. We started calling him Dewey that morning just as a temporary name. But I knew that I wanted to have a contest so that everyone in town could have ownership of, of the cat and uh, share in the excitement. So we had a contest. We had 397 entries Wow! Uh, without a prize. And uh, over 50 people asked us to keep the name Dewey. So we did, <laughs> but we decided that wasn't regal enough for a cat as gorgeous as he was. So we came up with Dewey Read More Books. Did and you it was to- also a message. Well, exactly, because he's like the PR cat of the whole library then. Absolutely. He was our PR person and our goodwill ambassador. Vicki, did you have to do much arguing with folks, uh, the administration or whoever was in charge, to allow Dewey to spend so much time there at the library? It was difficult, but uh, the first thing I did was call the city attorney to make sure there was no law against it, and he couldn't find one, uh, which was good enough for me. And then I called the council and the mayor and the library board, and uh, the library board was all for trying it. The council was less sure, but they really didn't know how to say no. It was so shocking to them. They'd never heard of the idea. Well, would so you we came recommend... into the library pretty much by default. <laughs> would you recommend other communities give this a try as far as, uh, you know, if they have a really, of course, it has to be a special cat. It can't just, my cat, my husband calls her the cat from hell. Um, uh, yeah. She, yeah, she would not be a good candidate for being in the library. I think uh, she loves us, but, you know, anybody else, uh, she would she would discipline them if they didn't read the right books. Yes, yes. Uh, it does have to be a special cat. I've had hundreds and hundreds of librarians over the years write me and ask me about getting a library cat. Well, first of all, 
um, you have to address the allergy issues uh, with doctors. Uh, find out if your building is laid out the right way. Ours happened to be one big open space with just shelving units in between, not really broken into rooms. Mm-hmm. And um, we used allergen spray. We had staff whose job it was to clean the chairs every single morning before we opened. And we found that we really didn't have a problem. There were a few people who complained. I tried to address every complaint personally with the people on the phone or in person. We did have two people that were just deathly afraid of cats. And what we did for them is if they would just wave from the front door, we would lock Dewey in my office during their visit. Ah, okay. uh, So we accommodated people as much as we could. But he had such a winning personality that most people who didn't like cats ended up falling in love with him anyway. (laughs) My whole argument anyway is that people that say they like cats, they have just not met the right cat yet. That's right. <laughs> well, and he certainly book, was. The book isn't just about Dewey, though. Uh, I think people might be a little surprised at everything that this book covers. Tell our listeners what they can expect from the book. Well, and, and that's an important point that I do want to make, is if you love cats, yes, it's a good cat book, but it's not just about a cat. We wanted to make it more than that, and um, we almost had to. We didn't try to write it this way. It just came out this way. My story, my life story, and the things that happened to me over the years and the city of Spencer um, became the other two central characters along with Dewey. And I think the reason for that is it's more of a story of survival and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and making the best of your situation and, and going on when things become difficult, and and Dewey helped all of us with that. But uh, those three stories are intertwined. And um, so I think there's a lot of non-pet lovers who would enjoy the book also. Okay. Well, we're going to take a brief break and then find out more about Dewey the library cat and his human mom, Vicki Myron, after this brief commercial break. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Coast to coast and around the world, it's all behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. We're back and speaking with Vicki Myron, the author of the book about Dewey, that famous library cat. Now, she worked in the Spencer Public Library for 25 years and has since retired and Welcome back to the show, Vicki. I understand, though, it's not much of a retirement. You've really been on the go since this book came out. 
I really have. It's it's uh, people tell me I'm not retired. I'm rewired. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> okay. definitely true. Um, I've been doing a lot of book tours, uh, speaking engagements. We're writing the first children's book right now uh, that will be coming out about Dewey in September of '09. Wow. Uh, the movie deal is set. We haven't signed the contracts yet, but all the details are worked out. So there will be a movie coming out. I'll be writing another children's book and a young adult version of Dewey. Boy. And the publishers are now talking about a second adult book down the road. Um, I wondered, I wonder, of course, you know, I don't want to be a spoiler for the book or for the movie, but we do know that Dewey went on to Rainbow Bridge in 2006. He died. How did that affect his fans? How did that affect you? I mean, were you in the middle of writing the book when this happened? No, I hadn't started the book um, until after he passed away. He was 19 years and 11 days old uh, when he passed, and it was very difficult for me. Difficult on all the staff and the people of Spencer, but also on his fans all over the world. We heard from thousands and thousands of people from Jerusalem and Iraq and Japan and all over the world. Um, And so the reason I wrote the book was to honor Dewey's life, but also to tell the rest of his story to all of the fans who had been so devoted for 19 years and to introduce him to people who had never heard of Dewey Readmore books. So those were my main reasons for writing the book. And to give you an example of the impact his death had, we usually get about 25,000 hits on our website um, a month at the Spencer Public Library. And the month that he died, we had 189,000 hits on the website. Well, I know that I did a little reading on the website, and I understand that you had sort of resisted the notion of writing a book about him for for a long time. People have been urging you to do this for a long time. So when did Brett contact you, and how did he convince you to, to write the book when you'd said no for so long? Well, I said no because I was so busy with my career. didn't really have time to. I'd always wanted to write. Um, but after Dewey's death, I had three agents contact me. Two wanted quick cute little cat stories that would just capitalize on his death, and I didn't want to do that. But Peter McGuigan from New York City contacted me, and he wanted a real book, and he offered to get me a co-author, so I interviewed two or three of those, and and Brett Witter from Louisville, Kentucky, he and I hit it off immediately from the first time we talked, and he got my voice, he understood the story, and he wanted a quality book as well. And so that's when we started writing. And then when it got to be as big a project as it is, that was why I had to retire. This is now my full-time job. Wow. (laughs) Well, how long did it take you to write the book? It took eight months of actual writing, but the process of writing a book is much more complicated than that. Um, Between the editing and the cover art and the publicity, and everything else. The whole process took 22 months. Um, wow. So it's, it's quite complicated. Describe the process for people. I've myself written 22 books, but I've, they have been just me writing them. I've not worked with a co-author. So mm-hmm. how does that work when you were working with Brett? Did you write and then he edited or you both wrote or he interviewed you? How did that work? Well, it was kind of all of those things. Brett came to Spencer twice for extended periods of time to get a feel for the community. And we spent hours and hours talking and going through scrapbooks. 
And then what we would do is we would talk on the phone every night for hours, and he would try and jerk my memory around to remember episodes. And since I had never planned on writing a book, I didn't keep very good notes. So um, that was the hardest part was coming up with all of the things that happened and the order in which they happened. And then usually he would write something and I would edit or I would write a, a chapter and he would edit. The best thing he did was make my story more clear. I have a tendency to get a little wordy sometimes. So he kept honing it down and that was wonderful. We both wrote as much as we could, but the, the hardest part was getting the three stories to flow together in a coherent way. So arranging the book and, and getting the right stories in was the most difficult part, but very exciting, a lot of fun. And then, of course, the editors would come back in from the company and say, we like this, we don't like this. We would rewrite some more. And, and so it was quite complicated, but a lot of fun. It really was. I enjoyed the writing process a lot. Well, has the success of the book been a surprise? Did you have any idea it was going to be this big? No, I knew it would be fairly big because there was such a fan base out there already. And I have something, well, I've always called it Dewey's Magic because for 19 years his story spread without me doing much. You know, there would be another magazine article or another radio interview or someone from New Zealand would call and want to do an article on him and, and... that happened without us doing much of anything. So his whole life was a surprise to me. The people who came to visit and documentaries he was in, including Japanese public television flying from Tokyo to do his story. So I think the publishers and uh, my agent stuff were even more surprised than I was because I'm used to it. Dewey's magic is continuing on, and, and I credit him with, with everything. He was just that kind of an extraordinary cat, and his his story captured the world. So, Well, do you enjoy doing all of these radio interviews and meeting the public? I do. The, the book signings have been great fun. Uh, we've been able to travel a lot and, and meet a lot of people, and not only hear Dewey stories, but hear their cat stories. And it's so wonderful to hear how I've touched people's hearts. So I'm hearing from a lot of single mothers and a lot of cancer survivors and and people who've had difficulty in their own lives relating to my story. We've also had some wonderful letters from all over the world who say, now I understand the Midwest or now Ah. I understand what Iowa is like and small town Iowa especially. So those are very gratifying. I think in today's economic situation where there are a lot of small towns across the country that are experiencing some challenges and, you know, people, individuals too, it, I think this may give them some hope and just say, look, it's happened before. This is not new. And you, you rise to the occasion. And if you're fortunate, you got a Dewey in your lap helping you along. I think that's true. Yes. And I've had a lot of comments about that, how the economic times right now kind of echo the economic times back in the 80s when we were going through the farm crisis and everything. And so the timing on that is is incredibly coincidental. It's just, you know, we never thought that the economy was going to go this way, but it, it does ring true for a lot of people. Okay, I'm going to ask you something. You may not be able to answer this, but rumor has it that Meryl Streep is interested in playing your part in the movie. Is that true? Yes, it is true. Oh, um, how fun. It's, it's quite an honor. She's uh, read the book. She loves it. 
Um, as long as we can get her schedule to work with the studio schedule, she has uh, agreed to play me in the movie, and she's very anxious to come back to Iowa because, of course, she did Bridges of Madison County here and another film. So she's, uh, she says she loves Iowa, and she can't wait to come back. Oh, that's exciting. Well, it is very exciting. Do you think then that your new kitty may be the star of the sequel book that you're talking about? I don't know. Um, the first uh, children's book that we're writing is a, a series of seven beginner, well, they're read-to books, you know, just not beginning readers, but they're for preschool, three- to five-year-olds. Um, we'll be doing each of Dewey's adventures as a separate story. And um, we're talking about the second adult book called Dewey's Magic because of all that's happened since he did pass on and the impact he's still making on people's lives. Wonderful. That's Now, I have one final question because I see we are just about out of time. People probably think that they know you. They know Dewey because, well, you've both been out there for so long. But what would you like to tell your public about yourself, about Dewey, or about the book that they don't know and might be surprised to discover? Oh, that's a tough one. I did put a lot of myself in the book. I think they might be surprised to know that I love to dance. That's my favorite thing to do. Um, I tried very hard in the book to show also what librarians actually do every day, Um, and not that we just read books or or stamp cards, that we do community (laughs) analysis and that it is a professional job. And uh, I think they'd be surprised to know how much librarians are normal. We like to have fun. We like to dance. We like to go out and party. And and I'm not retired. Like I said, I'm engaged to be married, which is wonderful. And um, Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you. When's, um, when's the date? We don't have a date yet. The, the schedule with the Dewey books is so crazy and with the movie and the children's books that we're going to wait a couple of years, I think, ah, until okay. uh, we can actually enjoy it because my schedule is so packed, <laughs> even for 2009. They might be interested to know that the book is also sold in 26 countries now, and uh, we will be going to London and um, Portugal in February to promote the book over there. Oh, my. All right. Well, we are out of time, but I would like to thank my guest, Vicki Myron, and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. Now, folks, go out and pick up your copy of Dewey, the small town library cat who touched the world. It's available at favorite bookstores everywhere. Tune in next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio to hear more about what hisses you off. You can also email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. For free behavior and care tips, check out the new Pet Peeves newsletter available from Shujai.com. Pervs and woofs till next time. And the next time you notice that stray alongside the road, open your heart and your arms. The fur kid you adopt doesn't have to change the world. It's enough that your pets touch and change your heart, one heart at a time. After all, you don't want them to get peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. 
Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.